What is going on, everybody? Welcome into this week's episode of High Floor Football. I am your host, Sam Wagman. Uh, with me, as always, is my very special co-host himself, the man drinking some nice alcohol over there, Jay Arsht himself. What's going on, buddy? How you doing this week? I'm good. I'm I'm doing good this week. You know, I'm wearing my green hat matching our high floor background here. So, you know, I'm on brand today and I'm feeling good. You know, we did our first half of this uh, superlatives, you know, it's a series. It's really split into two. We did, you know, quarterbacks and uh, running backs last week and now we're doing the pass catchers. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. Good to to talk about them. Look, like I said last, last week, redraft, best time of the year. You know, it's right around this time in the summer when we really love to get into it. I mean, look, you get all the people coming back out from their little, uh, you know, their their little uh, nonchalant, you know, oh, it's time for football. Time to uh, hop back on the old Twitter and in, into the space to try and figure out what we're going to do for redraft this year. And uh, look, this, this was a great thing to get to kick that off, get it started with and uh Look, we are uh, we now have a new sponsor. We are now sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. So uh, you can use a couple codes. You can use my code, promo code WAGS. You can use our show's code, uh, HFF. And you can also use Jay's code, which is uh, just his name, Jay Arsh. You can literally copy his Twitter handle, and that will also be his code. And uh, you can get matched 10 or 100% up to $100 on your first deposit on Underdog Fantasy. So make sure you go check that out. Uh, look, we're going to be doing a ton of best ball streams this this summer. Uh, Jay is a little bit new to it. I am not. I have, dep- I have lost tons of money on Underdog over the past year. I'm very proud mm-hmm. to share that. So, um, look, I've done, a, I've done a ton already. I'm, do- I'm going to do a ton more this summer. I'm really looking to get into it. I know Jay is as well, and we are uh, thrilled to be partnered with Underdog now. But um, anyways, little little uh, recap of last week's show. We both dug into our quarterbacks and running backs breakouts that we loved. You know, both of us love Jalen Hurts. Uh, you went with Trey Lance. Um, we went with a couple busts at quarterback. Uh, Dak Prescott for me, Joe Burrow for you. Always and, uh, with Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow. We gotta just say the busted ADP because we both, you yes. know, they're both both good players. Yes, and then uh, with you know uh, dart throws, Davis Mills. Um, for me, when we went to running backs, uh, Aaron Jones was a big one there. David Montgomery is a bust, and then you know a nice dart throw, Daryl Henderson, and uh, you had a couple as well. Who did you pick for your for your running backs? I can't remember who I picked last week as my running backs. Nice. Um, you know. You can go back, listen to our episode, give us another listen on that. Um, get my running backs and my quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, Trey Lance was my breakout. Joe Burrow was my bust at ADP. Uh, Travis Etienne was my breakout running back. That, that's who there it was. Um, my dart throw running back, I would assume, was Khalil Herbert. Yes. Uh, if I had to guess off the top of my head, just guys that I'm pretty high on. And um, my bust at running back, I'd have to look at a list of them right now. Um, yeah, it's okay. We can it. we can keep that a surprise and uh, get get going <laughs> to our show this week, though. So um, that was from our show last week. You can check out the rest of that show to see who Jay's bust was at the running back spot. But yeah, give it, week, it's a little, little bit of a teaser, you know. Yeah, actually, I know it was because we had our biggest argument about it. So go back and listen to it. It was Javante Williams, <laughs> and if you want a Javante Williams Melvin Gordon debate, you go back and listen to it. Yes, and th- those are always fun, and uh, we had our boy Peng on there, who's a big Melvin Gordon fan himself, to uh, provide his take. But uh, this week, we go into a little bit more of the uh, interesting guys, and we have wide receivers and tight ends this week. So I'm really thrilled to get into that, and uh, we're going to start going right off the bat. I'm going to throw my... Uh, breakout at the wide receiver position, and that is Marquise Hollywood Brown for me. So, look, you know, a lot of things play into this. First of all, you know, the six game suspension of DeAndre Hopkins is a massive part for me. Uh, obviously, we know that you know Hopkins is not going to be there for six weeks. Kyler needs a guy that can he can rely on to stretch the field and be his 
every down uh, t- first read. That's going to be Hollywood Brown across the board. You know, obviously Hollywood asked for the trade from the Ravens at the end of last season um, per uh, John Harbaugh. And they really, they really did not like it, but they decided to respect his wishes and dealt him uh, announced it during the draft. But in reality, it was an, uh, agreed to a few days before the draft. So there was that. I mean, the thing with Hollywood is, is he's an interesting guy because he's not your typical wide receiver one like type of mold. You know, he's five, he's five nine one eighty. So he doesn't profile as like a true alpha. But the way he moves, I mean, the guy gets a ton of chunk separation. Uh, look, yeah, he averaged five point six six yards a cushion last year. That ranked fourth in the NFL. And uh, all these stats are from Player Profiler. The guys at Roto Underworld do a great job with these stats. Highly recommend checking those out as well. But for me, Hollywood Brown is just a very good option if you're looking for someone at a decent price. His ADP is wide receiver 25 on uh, Fantasy Pros ECR. And we are using Fantasy Pros ECR for these rankings as well as they are updated uh, every other day. and. you can you can do a lot worse if you're looking for rankings over there. So Hollywood wins well versus zone and man. He ranked eighth and ninth versus uh, or in those uh, metrics last year. Eighth in uh, routes versus zone, ninth in routes versus man. He wanted a 48% clip versus zone and a 45% clip versus man. And the thing with Hollywood that people have nipped on is his focus drops, and and he's had a few, but. And, and some of them were from Lamar, and some of them were on him. But Kyler throws the ball a little more efficiently than Lamar does. I think being in this kind of offense where Hollywood will thrive as an every-down contributor will really help him uh, be a focal point of this offense and really put up solid numbers. Um, and I think his TD rate, which was pretty low last year, he only had five touchdowns, um, I think that'll definitely go up in this offense where he, again, will be the extreme focal point. So, uh, you know, it's goes up for Hollywood. Hopkins gone. Uh, Kyler's looking for someone to depend on. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm on board with Hollywood as well. And we talked, you know, before the show throughout the week, we'll try and make this episode a little bit less first take and a little bit more of, you know, just giving our opinions, you know, instead of having the debate about it. So, in this case, I agree with you. I like Hollywood Brown. He was one of the players that I was considering as well. Uh, coincidentally, he's 25th in Fantasy Pros ECR as well as he scored uh, 25th last year in points per game. So pretty solid. You know, wide receiver two in Baltimore. I think we would all agree that we think, you know, the Arizona offense might be a little bit more fruitful for, you know, a uh, passing target. So, I mean, Hollywood had 145 targets last year. And that actually, another coincidence, leads me to my breakout, who's Rashad Bateman, uh, someone who I know you're also very fond of. I mean, on Fantasy Bros ECR, he's wide receiver 29, so right around a, you know, back-end wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3 range. Uh, you know, averaged 8 points per game last year, so it's not, you know, the argument on really what we saw last year. It's kind of, you know, the flashes as the player, not necessarily the fantasy points. Uh, he only played 12 games, 60, 67 targets, 46 receptions, 515 yards. The main point, though, about Rashad Bateman, I mean, great profile coming out. I think, you know, anybody that's playing fantasy, if you're listening to, you know, this podcast in June, you know Rashad Bateman. You know he was a good prospect coming out of college. And at this point, Hollywood Brown's gone. So that's 145 targets left. Uh, Hollywood Brown had 91 receptions, over 1,000 yards, six touchdowns. He's a wide receiver, too some of the things that you said about Hollywood, I mean, and they're not, you know, bad things they are just things that happened last year. He dropped some big plays, missed some opportunities last year, but there was even room for more from what Hollywood gave us. And he gave us a pretty good season. So it's interesting when you look at Rashad Bateman, in addition to Hollywood leaving, you know, we kind of expected Baltimore to address the wide receiver position in the draft. They didn't. So Rashad Bateman's competition is Devin Duvernay, James Proche, uh, Proche, however he pronounces it, Tylen Wallace. I mean, these are guys who really shouldn't, be competing with Rashad Bateman. If he's healthy, he should be the number one target in this offense. And part of the reason when you call him a breakout, you know, you can kind of quantify that different ways. He's wide receiver 29 in ECR, like I said. I mean, there's guys in front of him, Jerry Judy, I mean, Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin right now, or, you know, iffy situations. Amari Cooper, Cortland Sutton. I mean, 
these are all kind of guys that are almost an ambiguous, ambiguous offenses in terms of we don't really know who's going to be the guy. I mean, look at Denver. It's Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And then you have Tim Patrick also involved. You know, Mike Williams is around this range, but he's got Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup. I mean, we're looking at a unique situation where Rashad Bateman is the number one off uh, wide receiver in his offense. And if not the number one option, he's the number two option behind Mark Andrews in the passing game. So I like Rashad Bateman. I know you do too. I know you're not going to have too much of an argument for it, but I think there is a lot of room from, you know, the wide receiver 29 upwards for him, especially when you look at some of the guys, you know, I just feel like he could have a similar sort of like Michael Pittman, you know, ECR wide receiver 14. I like Michael Pittman this year. I think he's also going to break out, but there's a case where Michael Pittman and Rashad Bateman finish a lot closer than 15 spots. So I think Rashad Bateman's got a lot of room and, when you have an opportunity to grab the number one receiver in the offense as pretty much a wide receiver three in that range, I think it's, you know, a good bet. So I'm into Rashad Bateman. Yeah. I, th- I think with Rashad Bateman, you're, you're look, we're betting on, we're betting on Lamar again this year. Um, and I think Bateman is a huge part of that. I think he's a better, I think he's a better NFL player than Hollywood Brown is like just as, just as typical, you know, players, NFL receivers, I think, Bateman is better at catching the football. I think he's a better route runner. I think the only thing Hollywood has on him is speed. And I think that frees up um, Baltimore's offense to look completely different. It introduces, you know, guys like Devin Duvernay into the fold as a speed downfield option. It allows Mark Andrews to move around a little more. I think Bateman's going to be really good for this offense. And I think this Baltimore coaching staff is going to really work hard to integrate him into a very heavy role. And uh, like you said, 145 vacated targets freed up. Bateman's obviously not going to get all of them. They're going to be spread around the offense. But you have to imagine he's at least a lock for 120 targets this year. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, they're completely different receivers, so it'll be interesting. But I agree with what you said. I think Rashad Bateman is almost better for that situation than a player mm-hmm. like Hollywood Brown is. So who's your bust? Uh, bust at ADP, as I yeah. will again clarify, or ECR. Go ahead. Uh, my bust at ADP this year is Chris Godwin. And look, this is this is not – it should not be a uh, a new thing. Godwin tore his ACL in – week uh 15 he did not get surgery or actually towards acl and mcl that was reported later on now acls by themselves are interesting or not interesting they're uh easy to recover from the the uh, the process is pretty streamlined typical nine month recovery period sometimes 10 and then you're back on the field and uh look recently the uh, recovery rates have been very high for pure acl tears when you introduce the MCL into the equation, and obviously I'm not a medical professional, I would defer to guys like uh, like our guy over at Fantasy Points, Edwin Porras, uh, who is a very who has put out a couple uh, pieces on the subject of ACL versus ACL and MCL tears, and uh, would be definitely better to answer that question, and we'll tag him in the broadcast after. But um, look, with ACL and MCL tears, it becomes extremely complicated. Because don't, both don't heal at the same time, and you often have to wait for swelling to go down the MCL before you can get it surgically reconstructed. That's what happened to Chris Godwin. And the problem with that is that I will get to Kenneth Walker in a second right after this. But the problem with Chris Godwin is that he didn't have surgery until January 3rd. January Now, a nine-month timetable, if we're going through normal ACL routes, would be returning on October 3rd. Ballpark. That's about week five of the NFL season this year. Here's the issue. If you're returning week five, the smart thing to do is not to use up a roster spot on Chris Godwin for five weeks and not have him play at all. The smart thing and what the Bucks will definitely turn to do if this timetable is the one that happens is to put him on the pup list to start the season. He'll miss the first six games and hopefully he'll be ready to come back when he's done. The, the MCL presents the wrinkle here. You know, we, we've seen cases where players are not ready to come back after that nine-month period, even after the pup list. And we might, we might not see Kenneth or Chris Godwin for, you know, eight to ten weeks. Their bye is week 11. If they're winning and they haven't shown like they needed him, is it really that much of a stretch that then Chris Godwin could be out past the bye 
and be introduced to the team for the stretch run to go into the playoffs. They obviously want him healthy to win for the playoffs. They don't want to risk anything. They just signed him to a $20 million deal for four years. His dynasty value is intact. It's the redraft value that I have a problem with at wide receiver 22. You're drafting him in the, in the fourth or fifth round. Is it really that much of a stretch to say we won't see Chris Godwin until week 12? So, you know, that, that, that's the problem there. You know, the cutting in the burst is, is a whole separate issue. When you come back off the ACL and MCL tears, you typically don't trust yourself to cut. And the doctors advise you not to cut heavily either until at least a year post-reconstruction. So all of that, I'm out on Chris Godwin this season. Pick on Chris Godwin when he's healthy, you coward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Chris Godwin. And, uh, you know, you when we were talking about this earlier, you told me that, uh, you know, he's going to be your bust. You explained why. I agree with you. You know, I'm typically more of a, a dynasty player, although I, you know, play redraft just like everybody else does. But my main thoughts on that, you know, typically were this is one year. I mean, Chris Godwin will come back. He'll be okay. But, to your point, I mean, if we're talking about redraft, yeah, I wouldn't touch a guy like Chris Godwin. I mean, for a lot of the points that you brought up as well, if you played for a different team, you know, there'd be maybe a better possibility of him coming back early. But I think Tampa Bay is going to be good with or without Chris Godwin. Not that he doesn't play a massive role because he does. But I think they are going to be good. And I think they're looking towards getting deeper in the playoffs, looking towards the Super Bowl, whatever they can do to creep, keep Chris Godwin healthy and have him healthy for that run. So, yeah, I would avoid Chris Godwin in redraft. I mean, yeah. in Dynasty, I think he's a great buy-low player to get on right now. But uh, th at this point in redraft, I mean, I think we know enough or we don't know enough to uh, pick him uh, with a, you know, decently high pick where he goes. So, yeah, Real Chris quick. Godwin busted ADP. Real quick, I want to touch on this Kenneth Walker question uh, very quickly. Um, I'm a big Rashad Penny fan. I think that's a very ugly offense this this season with, with the Seahawks. Um, not a huge fan of Drew Locke or Geno Smith, nor the offensive line. They're going to start two bookend rookie tackles on each side there. That, that offense is going to be a whole mess. Um, I believe Kenneth Walker will get volume. He'll probably get 200-plus carries, but he doesn't offer any pass-catching upside. So in college, I don't see it in the pros. And no matter what Pete Carroll says, I just, I'm just i just not going to roll the dice on Kenneth Walker when you have to draft him you know, in your top 20 running backs and you really just don't see anything good from that offense. Jay, you have any, uh, you have any other yeah, things I mean, on yeah. Kenneth Walker? I think – it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see where Kenneth Walker actually goes come, you know, August, early, late August, because right now, you know, he's dealing with a hamstring injury, supposedly, which I think might push him down a little bit. We haven't seen the Kenneth it's Walker true. in camp. We haven't exactly. We haven't seen the <laughs> Kenneth Walker in camp hype that, you know, everybody likes to see from their rookies. That's exactly my point. So, I mean, Fantasy Pro's ECR, just what we have been referencing for, you know, these other players is he's running back 32, which... I really think it's a good opportunity. I mean, I, I don't disagree with the things that you said, but I mean, the players he's around are Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, Melvin Gordon, Chase Edmonds. I think he has higher upside than those guys. Uh, I'm a little bit indifferent to the Rashad Penny situation. I think that, you know, I got I got excited about Rashad Penny years ago and uh, through years of uh, disappointment, I have, think I've finally moved on. But we'll see what happens with the Rashad Penny-Kenneth Walker split. That being said, they picked him in the second round. I think Kenneth Walker's a good player. The offense might not be great, which, you know, not too many scoring opportunities. But if you're taking him around the Devin Singletary, Chase Edmonds, Melvin Gordon, you know, Kareem Hunt range, I mean, I think he has higher upside than those guys personally. Yeah, I, I just I, – I don't know. I can't get behind it, and I am always ready to get hurt again by uh, Rashad Penny. So <laughs> count, me, count me in on Rashad Penny. Five years strong counting, baby. I, hey, I, I dove in on Rashad Penny – I dove in on Rashad Penny's rookie year in an auction draft with all the hope, and it was a disaster. So, moving on. I found Rashad Penny after after Donnell Pumphrey went to the Eagles. So that, that's all I have to say. I was I was in love. Yeah. Well, so coming to my wide receiver bust at ADP again, as we'll say it, or at ECR, is Deontay Johnson because he's a hell of a player. You know, great, great player. Last year, uh, you know. He finishes wide receiver 9, 17 points per game. His ECR going into this year is wide receiver 12, which you would say, you know, he's not really priced at his ceiling if he's, you know, being priced at wide receiver 12. He finished at wide receiver 9 in points per game. But I think it's a little too rich, personally, for me, 
I mean, that's saying he's going to be a wide receiver one with a lot of uncertainty in this situation. I mean, Deontay Johnson is a very good player. You know, when we pull up, let me look at his games from last year. I mean, he had a huge season last year, you know, 30 points a couple times. Yeah, I mean, he had like a (laughs) – what was it? Yeah, literally 169 targets, 144 targets the year before. I think a lot of us are skeptical that that was more of a Ben Roethlisberger-Deontay Johnson connection that they had. But I think there's something to be said. You know, everyone always brings it up. Players earn targets. I think Deontay Johnson did earn targets. Most definitely, he's a really good player. But we're talking about a switch from Big Ben, who I don't think was great. I mean, Kenny Pickett could be an upgrade. Mitch Trubisky could be an upgrade for what Ben was at that time in his career. But it's all uncertain. And they didn't, you know, let go of Juju and not bring in somebody else. They brought in George Pickens, who the Steelers every single year hit on these second-round wide receivers. So I kind of think George Pickens is going to be solid, too. To what extent, we'll see. But that's Chase Claypool, Pickens, Najee, Fryermuth, Deontay. And Deontay should be the number one target still. I mean, I think he has earned that right for us to trust that he will be. But to what extent? I mean, to 170 targets? Because that that's, you know, rare territory. Not a lot of guys are getting 170 targets. So with new quarterbacks coming in, also new players coming in, I'm not entirely sure that he's going to get that same sort of uh, volume. And, you know, even if you dial it back, I mean, his whole career, he's, he's gotten a lot of targets. 92 as a rookie, 144, 170. So it's tough to say that he won't. It's just a lot of uncertainty for a wide receiver one when, you know, guys going around him, you know, A.J. Brown, T. Higgins, Jalen Waddle, D.J. Moore, Michael Pittman. I mean, I don't know. It's just relying on too much almost consistency for a situation that isn't consistent right now. Like we don't know what's going to happen. And so I'm not really willing, willing to bet on Mitch Trubisky and uh, for Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett to draft Deontay Johnson as the wide receiver 12 off the board. I think I would take chances on other guys there. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I do have uh, Deontay as my wide receiver 14 right now. I think, uh, I think I'm happy to take that because I think he's a very safe option. That like there's virtually very little chance of him busting. Look, we we looked at Ben. We looked at Ben last year, and he was a noodle arm, and he he wasn't accurate. He couldn't throw downfield. Deontay lived, you know, in that intermediate area of the field. You know, Trubisky for for whatever it's worth has always targeted the middle of the field pretty well, and he can throw a deep ball. So. You know, Deontay gets that added to his his uh, his arsenal there, and things start to really look up there. Um, if if there's a reason for me to fade Deontay, it's it's definitely the fact that Chase Claypool will be back, and he'll be looking to build off a season in which he regressed really heavily. And they drafted who I believe is the most talented wide receiver of this year's draft class, and George Pickens. So I definitely think, and and that you know reads into uh, our friend Tim Dillon's uh, question about Pickens as well. But you know I definitely think Deontay has you know some issues as far as uh, the personnel in Pittsburgh, but for, as far as opportunity cost goes, I think he's being priced really fairly, and i am I'm, I'm happy to buy in on him where he is he's been dropping further than wide receiver 12 anyways in a lot of underdog drafts i see him going yeah. 15 16 in that range mostly because people are un- are skeptical skeptical about the quarterback but they were skeptical about the quarterback situation last year as well so i think for for this year uh, i'm happy to take deontay johnson i don't know what happens next year um he's a free agent after next season they drafted George Pickens, uh, in my mind, to replace one of him or Claypool, whoever uh, proves to be a worse long-term investment. My guess right now is that would be Chase Claypool by a long shot. But, uh, you know, things happen during the course of the season, and we will uh, see where he grades out there. But uh, I you think Deontay is a very safe pick. Yeah. Let me have one quick rebuttal on Deontay because it's just interesting. So if he had 170 targets last year and he ate about 10.8 yards per catch. So if you dialed it back to what he did in 2020, where he got 144 targets, which would still be like top 10 in the league. That's still a lot of targets at the same yards per catch, 10.4. So I mean, 10.4 to 10.8. He was a you know wide receiver too. He was wide receiver 21 compared to wide receiver eight. 
So yeah. it's like that's all I'm saying is that I think that Deontay is safe. I agree with you, but I don't know that he's safe as a wide receiver one. I think he's more safe. Yeah, as, I, I don't. He's a contributor don't he's in that safe. wide receiver two to wide receiver one range. I think I don't think he's going to fall off and be a you know wide receiver three. But as a, as a top 12 guy, it's it's a little tough, you know, when you're talking about 170 versus 140 targets. It's just a lot of, you know, to yeah. expect. So I, I, but I, agree. I, I think he's you know great player. I agree. I, I think his target share dips a little bit. It was 28.5 last year, ranked fourth in the NFL. Um, yeah. I think it probably dips to the uh, 25% range there. So we could see that drop to about 150, 155. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think he'll be. You know, a top fifteen guy at I, that point. I mean, he ran. Yeah. He ran. The, look, we're talking about a guy that ran the most routes in the NFL last year. He ran almost six hundred routes. That's thirty-seven per game. I mean, like he is an absolute every down player. Like totally. he has turned into a very good Cooper Cup esque player. You know, given given the uh, the similarities and where they were drafted near the yeah. uh, end of the third round there. So, uh, I'm really I'm really excited. And, uh, you know, we'll see what's going on there. But uh, moving on to our dart throws, um, my dart throw, and I definitely gave some thought to George Pickens at uh, wide receiver uh, 91. But I ended up settling with Kendrick Bourne, who is off the board as the wide receiver 75. And, look, Kendrick Bourne does not flash off the page. You know, his whole thing is consistency. And he's an occasional downfield target. We've seen him used in the red zone before. I got some stats that are going to blow your mind on Kendrick Bourne. And I know you're a fan of Kendrick Bourne, so it's not going to take much to convince <laughs> you. But his target premium and his target premium, which is defined as the percentage of additional fantasy points per target that a receiver generates over other pass catchers on the team, was 53.1 in 2021, ranked first in the NFL. He had only two drops. And he had 80 catches. Mac Jones's QB rating when targeting him was 138.1. It ranked first in the NFL. And last but not least, he had 2.58 fantasy points per target, which ranked second in the NFL. Kendrick Bourne was an efficiency monster last year. He made the most out of his grabs. Mac Jones was extremely efficient at targeting him. And uh, look, we, we we saw Bourne pop off a couple times. I mean, he played really well um, in that Cowboys game, the one that went to OT that uh, I think CD um, mm-hmm. CD walked off with the touchdown. But look, Bourne gives you so much, uh, you know, as a very reliable guy, and that, that's the kind of that's the kind of team that the Patriots have built. They're not building anyone who's going to flash. But they're building guy. They they build it with guys who can do just everything they need, and they're consistent, very very consistent. So, um, I was very I was very happy to uh, see you know Kendrick Bourne grade out really well, and I definitely think that he can beat anybody. Look, he matched up at against a bunch of number one corners last year: Xavier Howard, uh, Richard Sherman. Trevon Diggs, Asante Samuel, AJ Terrell, um, you know, Rocky Sin, Xavier Howard again, Levi Wallace. Then he he played well against these guys. So he had a few, he had uh four games of over 20, 20 fantasy points. So he is definitely showing that he can be a reliable guy. For him to be ranked as the 75th wide receiver off the board in ECR right now, I think that's out of line, you know, for a guy that was a borderline wide receiver two last year. Uh, I expect him to be at least a wide receiver three. He's going to be a mainstay on almost all of my redraft teams. I'm going to pick him up in like the 12th, 13th rounds, and he'll play every single week for me. Nice. And you got to give me a second to dynasty geek out for a second because of Kendrick Bourne. Cause that's, you know, when you see that sort Only of player 26. rise and they start, yeah. And they start to really, you know, produce, Kendrick Bourne is, you know, one of those lower level guys, a further down guy, like you said, a dart throw in this sort of situation. But you could kind of see it throughout his career. I mean, one of the things that I'm a big Kendrick Bourne fan, as you alluded to when you were talking about it, I have him on almost all my dynasty teams. I picked him late pretty much on every team last year. I traded for him as add-ons in a lot of leagues. Even going back to 2018, okay, in 2018 he played – Eight games, he had 66 targets, 400 yards, and four touchdowns. 
400, four touchdowns on 400 yards is pretty solid. The next season, he had under 400 yards, 358 yards, five touchdowns on 30 receptions. That's a touchdown every sixth catch, which is impressive for a guy like that who has a small role. The Patriots, you know, snuffed him out and got him on the team last year. He had his career high in yards, career high receptions, tied his career high in touchdowns with five. And interestingly enough, you know, like a, a couple of these guys we've talked about, I mean, like we did with Rashad Bateman as well, is we all expected the Patriots to add <laughs> players throughout the draft. I mean, really invest in free agency and the draft. They invested. They took Tyquan Thornton. But we talked about Jacoby Myers last week or two weeks ago, probably. I think he was one of my guys, a, you know, dynasty buyers. I mean, for a similar sort of situation as Kendrick Bourne. I mean, they're two guys who are realistically going to be the maybe one, two in their offense. I mean, depending how much you believe in Devontae Parker staying healthy or producing whatever you really want to say. But I mean, Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers are both kind of like do it all guys. They don't have this, you know, stellar upside, but I think they do bring a lot to an offense. And yeah, I mean, I love Kendrick Bourne as a, as a late dart throw. And I don't know if the upside, you know, is great, but he's a guy that last year, especially, I mean, you could play him week to week and you kind of expected a, a decent floor and there was some ceiling to him. So I like Kendrick Bourne. Uh, my wide receiver dart throw here is going to be Jahan Dotson. And, you know, Rookie wide receiver, that's kind of where I do prefer to throw my darts uh, in redraft. I mean, especially I like to like back end of my bench, grab like a couple rookies and see kind of what happens and monitor them throughout the first couple weeks. Try and be careful because sometimes in redraft you make mistakes of, you know, having a guy like Nick Chubb, which I did in the past and monitoring him for five, six weeks and realizing, oh, I don't have enough space from my bench and dropping him and then he becomes Nick Chubb. So be careful of that. If you like a guy in a redraft, one of these rookies, hold on to him for a little bit and see what comes. But Jahan Dotson and ECR is wide receiver 69, which is deep. So, I mean, we're talking about further down guys. Don't even know if he's going to be drafted in a lot of redraft leagues. He'll probably be on the waiver wire to start the season. But he's a guy who I would monitor or at least pick up and, you know, monitor those first couple of weeks. He's going behind guys like Marvin Jones, Jamison Crowder, Nicole Hardman still somehow is still going above him. Uh, you know, Corey Davis, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. These are guys who we've seen over time not really do anything. John Dotson, funny enough, because everybody seems to be ignoring it, went 16th overall. He was a first-round pick, and he's been a funny argument throughout the offseason in terms of people that are talking about rookies draft capital. But not Jahan Dodson, really. I mean, a lot of people kind of leave out that he went right in the middle of the first round because he went a little bit higher than a lot of people expected. Terry McLaurin hasn't been at camp because he's worked trying to figure out a new contract, whether that means he's going to stay in Washington or not. I mean, by the time redraft season comes around, I think we'll have an answer on what Terry McLaurin's going to do. So not necessarily an advantage, you know, in terms of his contract negotiation. The advantage is Terry McLaurin hasn't been in camp. Carson Wentz is the new quarterback. He's also new to the team. Jahan Dodson's new to the team. And they apparently have developed some good chemistry in camp, which I do think means something. A funny narrative, actually, that I think, you know, some people may remember, some may not. Ryan Tannehill was the backup A.J. Brown's rookie season. And a big storyline with A.J. Brown's breakout was when Ryan Tannehill started playing, A.J. Brown started balling out later in the season, which was a little confusing to a lot of people. The narrative was those two were working out in camp with the second team, like the whole off season. So when they got on the field together, it really clicked. Jahan Dotson could be a situation like that where, you know, he's kind of a, I hate to use the term sleeper because nobody's really a sleeper anymore, but he is because people are kind of forgetting about him. He's the forgotten rookie. I mean, he's behind, you know, Christian Watson, Jameson Crowder, like Robbie Anderson, man, who's just talking about retiring. <laughs> so Jahan Dotson's a good dart throw for me. Yeah, Robbie, Rob, Robbie with a Y, who, however you spell it. Um, you know, his competition's Curtis Samuel coming back from an injury. We'll see what happens with him. Dammy Brown, who really didn't do anything. And I kind of think Carson Wentz gets a worse rap than he deserves, you know, and we've talked about him on this show before. I mean, Carson has taken a lot more crap than I think he deserves. So Jahan Dotson's a good dart throw, especially when you're talking about these rookies. I mean, the Sky Moore, Christian Watson, Watson, Jahan Dotson, he just happens to go later than those guys, so. I would take a take a dart on him and see what happens those first couple of weeks. Yeah, I think I'm okay with that as well. Um, I, I like Jahan Dotson when he was out of Penn State. I'm really interested to see how he connects with Wentz down the field. 
Um, he's going to be that uh, – he can be that deep threat for them. He can run those routes down the field. And it, it'll be really interesting to see how – again, how he clicks into this offense. Um, I'm not putting a lot of stock in it. Uh, I don't really want anybody on this te- anybody on this offense. It's proved to be so dysfunctional in the past that it's borderline untrustworthy. Um, to be honest, Terry McLaurin for me is is even just iffy. I don't know what happens with McLaurin. I tend to think that he gets signed and he gets a deal done. Uh, the reports are that they don't want to pay him what you know the other guys have been getting. The problem with McLaurin is that he's already twenty seven. And guys like AJ Brown and you know DK Metcalf, they're all tw- they're all 24, 25 years old. McLaurin's you know got came out of college at 20, 23, almost twenty four years old. So you know you have to think about that. That factors into it, and uh, we'll see what happens with him. But uh, I think Dotson at you know uh, wide receiver late sixties is very good there. Yeah, last pick of the draft type of thing. Yeah. You're taking you're taking a dart throw on somebody. So yeah, and- but. Moving over to tight ends, who you got? Who's yeah. your breakout tight end? Uh, my breakout tight end is someone I've spent feels like years talking about at this point. It's 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 my boy Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, and this this is not even a breakout. This is just uh, what's up, Chris? Yeah, this is this is just this is just a guy who's not being valued correctly, and it, it feels like I'm going on a tangent with the Cardinals. Uh, I'm not a Cardinals fan. I just like. I just like the offense this year. Zach Ertz is a guy who uh, who was, and this was after a like six game start to the season in Philadelphia, where he was do he was putting up like twenty yards a game, and he goes to Arizona in Week Seven and starts just balling out, puts up solid numbers. He's got seven hundred and seventy yards, five touchdowns, seventy catches by the end of the season, and. Right away, it looks like Zach Ertz of old. So, you know, look, Zach Ertz, I'm not saying Zach Ertz didn't fit in Philadelphia anymore. I think he was uh, a little bit phased out of the offense there, and it was it was really depressing for me to see that because we all know what a we all know what a huge uh, legend. Yeah, we all know what a huge influence Zach Ertz <laughs> has been to the Eagles over the past uh, ten years since he was drafted in 2012. I think 2012, 2013, one of the two. But, uh, you know, when, uh, the game-winning catch in the Super Bowl, I mean, he's done so much. And to see him go to Arizona hurt, but I, w- I was happy to see him ball out. Well, he's definitely found a spot. Uh, the same way that I love Hollywood Brown to be Kyler's go-to target in the field stretching, Ertz is going to be the chain mover while DeAndre Hopkins is out. And he's going to be the premier red zone guy for, again, an offense which ranks very highly in red zone efficiency last year, and they will be a very good team. The thing with Ertz that we have to think about is that he can still move. You know, he's never been a yak guy, but he's got some of the safest hands in the league as far got as tight Got a little ends wiggle. Go. Yeah, man, he, he's like the Mike Williams <laughs> tight ends. He just falls down. <laughs> yeah, he's got a little wiggle to yeah, his game, yeah. but he's not much not much yak. This is, this is like a bet on elevated production for, for me. I already, we already know he can catch. We already know he's going to put up yardage. You know he'll be he'll be the guy that uh, you know splits the seams in the middle of the field. He'll be the guy with those twenty yard catches. He can body out anybody. He's still two six five two sixty, and he's still got great hands. So he'll be the red zone guy. He ranked sixth in the NFL in red zone targets last year. You know, and he was top seven in every single production metric for a tight end yards catches targets everything he had 112 targets last year that alone is a lock for top 10 production he's he's ranked right now as the tight end nine 112 targets will more often than not get you into the top six uh and there are guys around him um my bust is in the top five george kittle is in the top five both of those guys i think should be going behind Ertz because Ertz is a safer play than both of them for guaranteed production. And uh, I'm really looking forward to see Zach Ertz. My prediction is that he finishes tight end four this year. And wow. uh, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Now it's a hot take, but it's a hot take I can get behind because 
like you said, Zacherts is an absolute legend. And I, you, top five, it's funny because you beat me to my question. My first question was going to be, are we going to talk top five words again? And you answered my question for me. We are. And yeah. you're right. I mean, it, do, it does add up, especially, I mean, the Hopkins missing, you know, a third of the season is icing on the cake of what potentially could have already been there. I don't know that I would go as far to jump over some of the guys that you did with Zach Ertz, but I like him as a breakout because I also love the Arizona offense. And, you know, it's tough. I, I think Zach Ertz lost, lost a step to an extent. That's what I thought when he was on the Eagles. And then it kind of looked like, you know, maybe I was the one with my foot in my mouth. Maybe Zach Ertz didn't, and he's going to carry on in Arizona. He's deceptively not as old as everybody treats him as he is. So, nah, he's, is just, 31? he's 31. Yeah, yeah, he's 31. He's 31 years old still. So, I mean, everybody kind of treats him like he's a little bit older. Where for a tight end, you know, what's Travis Kelsey? 33. So, Kelsey's, you know, okay. Yeah. So, at least at least two years older than him. My breakout tight end, and, you know, try and keep it short and sweet. We we're going to try and get through this. And tight end, realistically, you know, when you get past those top guys, it is tough to find a breakout, a bust, a dart throw. I mean, these are, the tight end landscape is rough as it's always been. A little stronger than in the past years, but still rough. My breakout's Cole Komet. I think he's a pretty popular breakout. I kind of got first choice this week because I sent Sam my guys first. <laughs> so that's kind of how this thing works. But uh, Cole Komet was my breakout, and, you know, it really is short and sweet with him. There's not really many much more competition there, you know, to to take targets in this offense. It's going to be Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney. We'll see where Bayless Jones falls, Dave Montgomery, you oh. know, some other guy. Yeah, I mean, it's tough, man. And Cole Komet, so this is an interesting comp that I would make, but, uh, you know, I don't want to make the player comp because I actually do think that, you know, the player I'm comparing him to is a little bit better. But a Cole Komet, Mark Andrews type of archetype of how their careers could go is – is interesting to me because you find Mark Andrews for, you know, years now, the tight end on an offense with a mobile quarterback and really not too many weapons, you know, for years it was Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown and, you know, really not much else. Now we have Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney. Does that sound that different than a Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown type of offense? You have more, you know, a guy who weighs sub 180 and a big tight end, you know, borderline 6'6". So, not just that, but, I mean, you find an offense where there's just an opportunity for targets. He's going to be an option in the red zone. I mean, your number one receiver is Darnell Mooney, who I think is very talented. But he's not necessarily a red zone target. So that's kind of what – funny enough, Cole Komet, you know, hasn't scored too many touchdowns in his career. I think he scored zero last year. So funny that I'm calling him a red zone target. But find me another red zone target on the Bears that's going to take those touchdowns. I don't know. If we're going to, you know, give it not to the backup. Yeah, you can yeah. give them to their backup tight ends because those are the guys who actually scored them last year. But I'm hoping there's going to be, you know, something different there. As tight end 13, there's a lot of room for him to move up. Like you mentioned, I mean, Zach Ertz is at nine. Guys like, you know, Dawson Knox, Mike Kosicki, Noah Fant, Hunter Henry, Pat Fryermuth, they're all around him and kind of right outside that top five range. I think you start to look at, are any of those guys really the top options in their offense? I mean, Dawson Knox definitely is not. Uh, Pat Fryermuth is not. Dallas Goddard, you know, might be the third option now, as much as I, you know, hate to say anything bad about Dallas Goddard. Noah Fant might be the third option, maybe the fourth option in Seattle's offense even. Cole Komet, you know, might not be a great offense, but I don't think – I think you'd have a tough time finding an argument to say Cole Komet is anything less than the second passing option in this offense. So the breakout seems there. If, you know, again, crazy to make the touchdown argument when he scored zero touchdowns last year, but I really think that's going to be – be the area where he's going to be able to make his money. Uh, you know, they're not going to be a high scoring offense, but they got to score somehow. And Cole Komet, like I said, at worst, the third target in an offense. So I'm taking Cole Komet as my breakout. Yeah, I, I think I think with Komet, you got a guy that's pretty locked in to at least 100 targets. Oh, and, Sam, the uh, phone again, yeah, man. Yeah, it's, popular it's guy. Week, every week. Uh, I think with Cole Komet, you're taking a guy that's locked into 100 targets. And again, as a tight end, that pretty much automatically locks you into a tight end one season, T typically top ten when we're thinking about it. And with Komet, I mean, he he had no t he had no touchdowns last year. You give the guy four touchdowns, he's a top six option. So we we've all talked about what a wasteland tight end can be. I think Cole Komet can easily slide into that top seven, eight guys. And like you said, you got the crack first at uh, at at picks this week so you took commit uh 
no secret that it was going to be mine. I'm a huge Cole Komet fan. I feel awful for Justin Fields that they're hanging him out to drive with only <laughs> Cole Komet as someone that can stretch the field or, or not stretch the field, move the chains. But uh, I almost went with uh, with our boy Ben's suggestion, which is uh, David Njoku. I almost went with him. That was my and, dynasty buy, Ben. Yeah, where, yeah. where were you two weeks ago, Ben? Yeah, he was a great. He was definitely a great option for that as well. Um, look, as far as the Watson thing goes, every week it looks more and more like he's going to get suspended longer and longer. Uh, at this point, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets suspended for the season. Njoku kind of goes a little bit out the window for me there. Uh, I don't know what to think about Jacoby Brissett. I definitely don't think Baker Mayfield's going to play a single uh, single snap for that team this year. They've kind of did him dirty the whole way. So uh, I'm going to pump the brakes on any Browns players. My bust for uh, tight ends is actually going to be a pretty spicy one here. And uh, I struggled for a bit before coming to him, but Darren Waller at tight end five feels like he's priced at a ceiling. Now, look, you know, we saw Darren Waller, his ceiling tight end three, uh, tight end two, two seasons ago. And he obviously fell off last year because he got injured and he was, you know, hampered all throughout the season. I just don't see it this year. I, I understand that, you know, the, the Raiders are going to throw a bunch, but you have to assume that, you know, 160, 170 targets are going to Devontae Adams. You have to assume that 130 plus targets are going to go to Hunter Renfro, who just signed a new deal. Uh, you have to assume that the running backs are going to get targets because that's what happens in a Josh McDaniels offense. They always have a designated pass catching back. You have both Kenny and Drake and Brandon Bolden there to play that role. And then you have to assume that th- there's other spread targets out around. And Darren Waller is simply not going to see the volume that we've come to expect from them. He's definitely not seeing 150 targets again like he did in 2020. Um you know, look, we, we look at his numbers from the past couple seasons. Um, in 2019, he had a th- a, just under 1,100 yards, and he had three touchdowns. I think we could see something close to that this season. I do think he gets a little, a few more touchdowns in that. I think, you know, he definitely sees some uh, less premium coverage on him with Devontae Adams coming to town. But at the end of the day, I just think tight end five is a little bit rich for a guy who's coming off an injury. And who, you know, even before the injury, didn't really look himself. And, uh, you know, part of that offensive scheme of McDaniels is definitely spreading the ball around. It's not just giving it's not just giving it to one guy. And uh, I, I do think Devontae Adams was brought in for a reason. I, thought, I think they weren't satisfied with the offensive weapons. Uh, they added Demarcus Robinson. They added a couple other guys. Foster Moreau was there. He looked great when, uh, when Waller went down last season. I'm just not sure that I do think a top, you know, Waller will be an easy top 10 tight end. I don't see top five. Let's do a little exercise with it. Would you take Dalton Schultz over Darren Waller? Yes, I would. Would you take TJ Hawkinson over Darren Waller? No, I would not. Dallas Goddard? Uh, borderline. Right, yeah. right. They're they're like back to back for me. Yeah. And it's so interesting with tight end because. Yeah, being in the top ten, you know, should be a lock for Darren Waller if he's mm. if he's healthy. It should it should be easy for him to do that. But I agree yeah, with. But you. I would I mean, also take the, Zach Ertz. I would also take Zach Ertz. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. You did say that, so it's tough. I mean, you go to Darren Waller and go through these top tight ends, and you kind of look at guys' situations that maybe you know got better or worse. And really, I mean, the Travis Kelsey situation better essentially. I mean, Tyreek Hill's gone. He's uh, the obvious number one target. Mark Andrews situation, better. better. I mean, instead of Rashad Bateman and Hollywood Brown, just Mark Andrews. Kyle Pitts situation was already, you know, about as empty as it could be. Now it's probably better. Like you said, I mean, couldn't have really gotten worse. Um, George Kittle situation. better. Yeah, Schultz better. Yeah. Definitely. Dalton Schultz situation, better. Dallas Goddard's maybe, you know, a little bit more, you know, target competition. But, yeah, I mean, Darren Waller is the one where you really look at. I mean, he was such a – target hog and now you bring in Devontae Adams it would be ignorant to assume that's not going to somewhat alter how things work I mean we're talking about literally the best receiver in the NFL so I don't think it's a bad choice and especially you know when we say it a bust at ADP a guy who you're not taking you know maybe where Darren Waller gets drafted I think that's fair Uh, my tight end bust is going to be Mike Gesicki 
you know, coming off a good year. So it's, it's tough. You know, he's, he's kind of been productive throughout his career. Like we kind of just alluded to, I mean, in between that tight end five, tight end 10 range, a lot of guys that are very close together, not much, you know, separates those guys. You kind of have that top tier, but similar to, you know, your points about Darren Waller. I mean, Mike Kosicki was, you know, the victim of it a little bit a week, little, a little bit more than a week after Tyreek Hill goes to Miami. So you have Tyreek Hill, you have Jalen Waddle, you have Tua, you know, everything else going on in Miami, new coach, new staff, new everything. And I just don't think Mike Kosicki, I mean, he was used as a wide receiver really like just as much as he's a tight end. He's a, a big wide receiver. And now you have a Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill situation going on where it's really going to be tough to find Mike Kosicki. The point that I just made for Cole Komet, you know, being at worst the third target in his offense. Mike Kosicki is at best the third target in his offense, you know, and maybe there will be others. So it's tough for me to make a case for him. I'd rather take guys with a little bit more upside. I mean, I'd rather take, you know, Cole Komet, the one who I said. I'd rather take Noah Fant. I'd rather take Hunter Henry. Um, I'd rather take, you know, the dark throw, who I'm about to say, Robert Tanyan. I'd rather take a lot of guys than Mike Kosicki because I kind of feel like he's replaceable with a lot of guys that are going behind him. Uh, not a huge fan, and I just kind of think, you know, adding everything that, they did is going to be tough for him. I mean, last year he had some games where he had, you know, 12 targets, nine targets, 11 targets. I just don't see that happening in an offense that, you know, adds Tyree Kill and already has a Jalen Waddle who's going to be, you know, if healthy, commanding a lot himself. So Mike Kosecki is my, my bust here. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good play. Um, you know, like we said, like you said, can't support, uh, you know, it's already hard enough to support two guys in that offense. Three is borderline impossible. Yeah, with the offense that Miami runs, uh, even with McDaniel coming over, it's going to be interesting because Sam Fran doesn't really support three different options in that offense either. We've seen both Kittle and Ayuk marginalized over different points of last season. So, uh, yeah, I would I would doubt that Gesicki. I I heard uh, it was I was listening to the FSGA experts draft on. Uh, uh, fantasy radio, fantasy sports radio, Sirius XM. Um, this uh, earlier this week, and uh, one of the experts, I forget who it was. I want to say it was Matt Deutsch. Honestly, uh, you know who Matt Deutsch is, right? He used he used to be the uh, director at uh, Sirius XM Fantasy Sports. Um, he said that you know Gesicki was a locked in hundred target guy, and I, I like almost spit out my drink. While I was driving, because like <laughs> Gisick is not a locked in hundred target guy. Like I, I think he'll be lucky if he gets eighty targets in this offense. So, you know, I, I just don't know about Gisicki. Uh, he's his dynasty outlook looks so good once he's snapped up by a, by a different team in free agency next year. They're gonna throw the bag at him, probably convert him to wide receiver because that's literally what he is. Guy does not block. Like never. Still young. He's like he's twenty-six allergic. years old too. He's allergic yeah. to blocking. So, you know, uh, he, look, someone's going to throw a bag at him in free agency next year, and uh, I could easily see him, you know, getting fifteen mil plus. Um, he's going to be a really good wide receiver, pseudo tight end type hybrid player on another on a different team. Uh, really interested to see what happens. Completely out for redraft, like I have in the past couple of years, because. Again, just can't support three targets in this offense. So that's that's that. Um, let's let's uh, move on to our dart throws. These will be really quick. Um, my guy, my dart throw is Brevin Jordan. And look, this this isn't really that complicated. I'm not going to have to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, Brevin Jordan, you know, former fifth round pick out of Miami. He was always a speed guy. He was always a you know a move tight end type of guy, a uh, guy that can do make, you know, almost any catch and has a ton of yak potential in his game. And he showed that last year for Houston. And obviously it was a really crummy offense and he didn't get a lot of, he didn't get a lot of, uh, you know, playing time. He only had 20, 20 catches on 28 targets for 178 yards and three touchdowns. Well, he had four red zone targets. Three of them went for touchdowns. So I mean, there's a little bit of method to this madness here. I think Davis Mills is going to have a nice step forward. Uh, back end of my underdog drafts recently, I've definitely been uh, targeting 
targeting some pretty uh pretty ugly Davis Mills, Brevin Jordan, Damian Pierce stacks there because I definitely think this could be this could be a little bit of a sleeper offense. Uh, we, you know, we've seen Deshaun Watson do some pretty magical things with this offense in the past. Uh, you know, with some not good, not so good weapons, I definitely think that Brevin Jordan can definitely be, you know, a safe uh, uh, blanket for a safety blanket for Davis Mills in his second season as the starter. I mean, he was pretty good. He had a you know seventy one percent catch rate on twenty targets. But you know, again, you know, he didn't get enough playing time to really make make a dent. And it definitely takes tight ends, especially the ones that are drafted a little bit later, some time to adjust to the NFL, the game speed of everything. And uh, I really do think that Jordan takes a step up. If the breakout is not this year, it's going to be next year. Um, I'm planting my flag on it a year early if I have to, but I do think. My, one of my one of my crazy thoughts this year was that Brevin Jordan is a top twelve fantasy tight end. I have him ranked at thirteen in my rankings right now. I do think that we could see something special out of him and Mills. And uh, again, he's tight end twenty seven. This is a dart throw, a really really back in, back end of your draft start throw. You're not drafting him in your redraft leagues. You might just get there in best ball. But uh, I would have this kid on your dynasty teams. Totally. And, you know, he was one of the options I was thinking of, too. I just give you one piece of advice. Don't let Brevin Jordan hurt you in the same way that Jonu Smith has hurt me year after year after year. Me too. Me too. I remember. It's a little bit of a – I agree. Brevin Jordan was one of the guys I was thinking of, too. But one of the things that scares me about him is he's athletic. He looks great every time he gets the ball. But a little worried. We'll see. He was going to be my dart throw, too. So give you credit there. Mine, though, will be Bobby Tanyan, Robert Tanyan in uh, Green Bay. He is recovering from an ACL injury. So he tore his ACL last year, missed some of the season. We were kind of, you know, anxious to see what was going to happen last season after he's coming off his 11-touchdown 2020 season, uh, which, you know, only on 52 catches, (laughs) he had 11 touchdowns. It was an insane touchdown rate, something that we probably will never see again. I'm not going to tell you that he's going to turn into 2020 Robert Tanyan. That being said, I think there was some major chemistry between Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tanyan. And, you know, major narrative throughout this offseason. We just talked about it with Darren Waller. I mean, it's just kind of had a lot of ripple effects to with Green Bay, with, you know, Las Vegas. Devontae Adams, man. I mean, he moved from Green Bay to Las Vegas, and we've been talking all offseason about what Green Bay is going to do. Why haven't they added more receivers? Are they going to still add some? Are they talking to OBJ? Are they talking to Julio? Are they going to get somebody else? If they don't and they roll into the season with Alan Lazard and Christian Watson and Randall Cobb and a healthy Bobby Tanyan, I mean, we're talking about guys. And I mean, you know, I'm a big Aaron Jones fan. I'm just talking (laughs) about the pass catchers, which Aaron Jones will probably lead the team in receiving yards. So I'm all on board with that. You know it. I have. I might get a little crazy with where I think Aaron Jones is going to finish in redraft if we if we talk about it later on this offseason because I think he's going to absolutely explode. But Tanyan, I mean, he's going to find himself in a decent situation. And, I mean, just to have that sort of chemistry, like I said, their touchdown rate's not going to happen again. He's not going to score, you know, a touchdown every five catches like he did to that extent to score 11 touchdowns. But if he comes back in, you know, Rodgers is going to be looking for a reliable target. Just <laughs> see, Ben knows, man. I I was epically hurt by Johnny Smith, um, but yeah, man. Robert Tanyan, I think is a good dart throw. Uh, maybe somebody who you don't draft, but keep an eye on him. Keep an eye on the targets he's getting. He starts to score touchdowns again early in the season if he's healthy. Maybe latch onto it because it did last in 2020. I think it's a good dart throw. Good offense, open opportunity, not much competition. Check, 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 check. Robert Tanyan's a you know, decent dark throw. Yeah, I, I definitely think that he's there. And uh, what we know about Rodgers and his trust issues, um, yeah, Dude, I, I, I definitely think. Let me give one. I had not ever seen this. And the way that Aaron Rodgers and Robert Tanyan were looking at each other, in tw- it was 2020 week. Uh, it's not showing me the week. Against Atlanta, Tanyan had six catches on six targets for 98 yards and three touchdowns. I remember. And it, dude, it was, like, insane. I remember watching that being like, this guy is, like, next. And then he lived with Kittle over the summer. Everything was awesome. 
And then he got hurt, you know, last season. It just didn't really work out the way we hoped. So he's 28 years old, uh, you know, kind of feels like it went quickly because he hasn't really, you know, shown us too much in that time. But 6'5", 237, good athlete, good hands, good chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could definitely see it happen. But uh, that is all that we have for you guys this week. Uh, this has been another great episode of High Floor Football. Uh, we got to wrap up our superlatives this week, and uh, we will be kicking off some uh, interesting streams. We're still debating on some topics for next week, but we will be announcing some stuff in the coming days. And uh, we got cooking. some stuff. We got some stuff cooking for you guys. <laughs> and uh, you know, anyways, as always, I am your host Sam Wagman. You can find me on Twitter at Swagman ninety five. Uh, with me, my co-host, Jay Arsh. You can find him on Twitter at Jay Arsh. That is J-A-Y-A-R-S-H-T. We are High Floor Football. We will see you guys next week. Have a good night.